Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Welcome to the Weekend Update, your weekly dose of everything Grizzlies, presented by the Grizzden Podcast and the Fans First Sports Network. I'm your host, Will Walker, and I'm joined every week by John Kraft. How's it going, John? Doing well, doing well. Look, happy middle of the week. A little sad this weekend. Ty Smith is in the house. Happy to be here. Thanks for having me. A special Weekend guest. That's right. Second second Weekend Update this year. The first one first was cut extremely one. short. <laughs> I think about 10 minutes in, I got a few texts from the wife, and I was like, I can't stay. <laughs> I have to go. The Grizzlies are 6-15, and 15, 13th in the West, 26th in the NBA, five games back from the 10 seed. We were four last week, so we went mm-hmm. down by one. We're 28th in offense with 108.1 <laughs> uh, rating there, 10th in defense, and this is per cleaning the glass, by the way, 113.5 rating, 24th in net rating with a negative 5.4 there. We start every episode with who's up and who's down. Ty, as our honorary guest, I'm going to let you go first with your who's up. So who's up? Uh, Man, Bane, I guess. Uh, When you score 49 in a game, I'm just going to – I mean, I feel like you got to just chalk that one up to who's up. Um, Also, if you look at this, just the stat line from that game in general, we had – two other players in double digits. So without Bain, we it probably would have been a lot tighter. Uh, he took over in the second half. The third quarter w- from him was masterful. Um, I'll shout out Jaron a little bit, too, just because he had a big game there against Phoenix. Both of them are kind of showing some life in the fact that we're trying to, you know, they have to carry us. It seems like they've kind of, like, come to grips with that to an extent that they're both being pretty aggressive, and that's essential um, my yeah. last little honorable mention was clarification in the wing rotation. Uh, Z's getting less minutes. Vince is getting more minutes. Um, and honestly, I just kind of want to shout out Roddy a little bit. No, he's not going to wow you much. No, he's not going to be like, oh my gosh, we got to steal, right? He's not Bane 2.0. But to be a second-year player drafted in the mid, mid-20s in, in a draft, uh, a little bit older player, a little bit of an obscure player, a lot of people had him, you know, pre-draft ranked in like the 40s. He's a he's he belongs in a rotation of like a nine ten man rotation. Now he's having to play in a top five right now, but just gonna shout him out getting the start the last week or so, holding his own. Yeah, and um, I think he had a particularly good week too. Yeah, he did. He did, he's not gonna like hurt you, right. which at this point from a wing you like you'll take. Yeah, for sure. Um, my who's up, and this is you know right now in the season. With the record as it is, with the offensive rating as it is, there's not a ton we're first in the league in that's like positive, but we are first in the league in one one thing that is positive, and that's rim protection. Uh, we are only allowing 59% at the rim, number one in the league. League average is like 65%. And if you look at the last three years, we were ranked first last year, and then the year before we were ranked second in rim protection. And that's 
if you look at the games played, you'll see that Jaron Jackson, who had a dip in the 2020-2021 season, has just absolutely played almost every possible game save for that first part of his Defensive Player of the Year season. And basically what we see is when Jaron plays, there's just nothing at the rim. Of course, on the flip side, we are 30th in three-pointers allowed. Mm. So that's really where we're losing, and there's some shot luck stats out there that we went over on the last episode um obviously two it's the style that we play we give up a lot of above the break threes but i just want to shout out to be to have this poor of a record but to have this i mean this impressive of a defensive stat is a large reason why we're even in where we are right now not being at the bottom of the west so who's up rim protection thank you jaron uh, so just to throw out, just cause I do it every, any chance I get, but the who's up, I'm going to throw out Conchar. Uh, he'd get my actual who's up, but unfortunately he didn't have a great game against Minnesota, but he was a, a you know, a, a team high plus 22. I thought he was huge in that Detroit game, hit a couple shots when we needed it as we were kind of pulling away from Detroit and, you know, for whatever, for whatever reason, local talk radio and you know who you are, and Twitter just seems to like be so frustrated with him, want to trade him, and I in mad we extended him, and I actually think this is one of the few like long extensions on a really cheap that's great that he can be that nine to twelve guy on the roster that kind of fits. So I continue to be high on Conchar um, as just somebody who helps, especially in a season like this. But my real hose up is going to be Adam Silver uh, for his in season tourney, which I've been behind. Uh, despite some doubters, and uh, I've liked uh, this part of, of what Adam Silver's done. I think the play-in uh, that he added a few years ago has unquestionably been a good thing. We are very thankful for it as Grizzlies fans for the play-in this year, uh, but I thought the in-season tourney, obviously quibbles and maybe on another Grizzden we can talk about that kind of thing, but I thought overall for the first time doing this, uh, they couldn't ask for better, honestly, for the Lakers making the finals, for a young, fun team to make the finals with the Lakers. And uh, and I think and I think it was a good thing, and I think they'll tweak it some, but I think it was it was a good idea, despite all the haters. The designated celebration room was low-key, the funniest <laughs> thing I've ever heard of. But I, I agree overall. I mean, you can't argue with the, the hype around it. I mean, you saw, uh, I, I honestly, one of the, I guess unsung parts of this is it gives Adam Silver another media availability to, and there's all the reporters in the NBA writ large there to ask him all sorts of questions. Ironically enough in his media availability, the very first question was about John Morant, which I'm sure we'll get to. Uh, But I, I like that aspect of it. I still think there should be a bit more to root for from a fan perspective, but you can't argue with the results and I think you're going to see in terms of ratings but also maybe down the line when we're talking about a new TV deal how this is a cornerstone of that new TV deal and adds value and and that you know he got the players bought in I think like you're saying I think they need to find something to get the fans a little more incentive but I think the getting the players buying was a huge part because then at least like for me watching the games there's, you know, it's, it's fun. They really want to win. And I don't know if that's like they had a memo, send it out like, Hey, we need this thing to go well so that we can actually really triple our, <laughs> our TV. You know, that what we had wanted, hoped for with this next, uh, media availability stuff, uh, to, to have another TV package and all those sorts of things. And maybe people like LeBron realize that and that's why they really came out, but it was, it was good to see. Um, so positive. What's up, Adam Silver. All right, Ty, you're who's down. Okay, who's down? Uh, this is a big win, uh, no pun intended. 
but the big rotation. Um, I'm kind of excluding Jaron. So I'm thinking traditional centers on our roster. There's two main ones, right? Tillman's come back, played in the last, I think, four games. And then Biz has obviously been with us for the last, what, 12? Um, those two guys have been awful, maybe excluding like one game by Biz that was decent against the Spurs, who don't also really have a traditional big. Um, but Biz has been really bad, so has Tillman. So I'll kind of walk through Biz stuff first. Last 10 games since basically game seven, again, against our win versus the Spurs. So basically from then on out, um, he actually played really good against Spurs, like I said, finished with basically 14 and nine and four, which is awesome. Since then, he's averaged four points. Um, I guess how many rebounds a game he's averaged? Five. Five. Exactly. For a team that has to have a player on the roster that can just get rebounds from some kind of like big position, and Jaron's not your guy, obviously, we really need him to be stronger than that. And it's been, it's been really bad. Um, he did have double-digit rebounds against Detroit, but I'm not – I mean, you know, Detroit, right, Asherts. Tillman, also very bad. Um, he's only been back for, you know, four games this last little stretch. 14 minutes a game is what he's played. Um, he's averaging five points on 41% shooting. And guess how many rebounds per game? I'm nervous to even say. 1.3. <laughs> um, also shooting 14% from three on two attempts. Can we, can we put those two attempts in someone else's hands? Um, his rebound percentage is the same as Jaren's. Uh, which, again, everyone talks about how awful Jaron is as a rebounder. It's really hard playing them two together when you just can't get the ball, right? Um, that's just been really tough. It's been really apparent. Um, we need our wings and guards. That's why people are like, oh, my gosh, Vince Williams, a godsend. Honestly, because he rebounds the ball. He's one of, like, the only players on our roster that can get a rebound. Um, the holes are starting to show in, with those two guys. Um, I don't know what – I mean, clearly nothing is going to be able to happen moving forward, but we're going to have to figure something out there. Um, Steve-O, again, just missed so much. For reference, his rebound percentage is like almost 20 every year. Um, and I think uh, I think business this year is like 13 or something like that. So it's, it's just not great. Yeah. No, it's uh, – Biz, for all the little things that he does that don't show up, in the box score necessarily, you still would like to see a bit more fruit from that position. And yes, like he was, he was not signed to any team and there's a reason at the end of the day that he wasn't. And so it's, it's one of those things where like we were talking about a little bit last week in in regards to like Jalen Noel's second 10 day that he got and how it's a lot more likely with the need for a true center that Bismack was probably going to get that 15th roster spot. If we decide to cut Lofton in a few games but even then, it's kind of like, man, is there is there any possibility of upgrading that position before the playoffs, and it will it even be worth it? Uh, which I think is probably a larger conversation for our next podcast, which is going to be more of a high-level discussion. But you're right. I mean, the whole Till- Tillman coming back, thinking that he played okay to start the year, but thinking that we would have something at that position, and now I just really don't have a lot of confidence. That's the thing with both of them. Like, neither one are going to score. Neither one can be an offensive hub at all. Neither one are going to create shots for other people. Like, their assist rate's really, really bad. Biz will have a few assists sometimes a game, but that's kind of like a little, like, handoff to Dez is basically what that comes from, and Dez just going nuts. Like, they can't score. They don't really make plays. Like, the one thing we need them to do is defend really well, which, to your credit earlier about rim protection, clearly Biz has, has a part to do with that. 
Um, but then the rebound, like you have to be a very strong rebounder if you're going to start as a center on our team. And I know we're limited, like we can only do so much. But that uh, the Minnesota game was a prime example of just like we couldn't get a board to save our life. Yeah, I, I, I'm I'm hoping that maybe Bismack's numbers when our the rest of our roster is better, we start getting more of our actual rotation guys back um, and Marcus Smart and uh, and Luke Kennard. That hopefully maybe because of the spacing and some other things that maybe some of those stats will come back rebounding wise. Um, you know, but it is what it is. Uh, Tillman's the one I'm just like I I don't know what's happened to him. I mean, it's actually looked freaky to think back besides the very first game of the Minnesota of our Minnesota playoff series. Tillman started all of our playoff games uh, for us the last two years. And obviously, you know, hit a huge shot to get us from the plan into the playoffs against, uh, against the Warriors three years ago, but it's just been very strange to see him. I'm wondering if he's some kind of injury or what's going on with him because it, there is a, I mean, he seems worse than he has been the last couple of years. And it's very weird. Um, but, but he's, you know, he couldn't even play in the second half against the Pistons, the worst team in the NBA. We couldn't even play him in the second half because of how bad he was in the first half. So, you know, pretty disappointing. something interesting that I just realized, and I've, I've had it in my head, but really haven't verbalized it. But Lofton isn't the only contract that's expiring after this season. Tillman's another one, like worst case scenario, pool in case of emergency. That's not, I mean, chances are we're not going to be able to afford him anyway next year, even on a small deal, which I'm not saying he's earned this huge contract or even a middle of the road contract. But, you know, if the front court rotation gets some sort of an upgrade via trade, like if we want to go out and try to, obviously we need a wing number one, but if we get back another center in that deal, that's even a backup to the backup. Like could Tillman be a guy who's also on the chopping block? To me, Tillman is, one of our more tradable players, to be honest. Like, I know his contract is really low, but he has somewhat of a proven track record to produce in big moments. And his, like you just mentioned about his contract, a lot of teams that need backup big help, like the Celtics, for example, they have Horford and they have Porzingis. And after that, they got, I guess, Luke Cornett. Whatever his name is. Yeah, some random name that I've never seen before the our home game. to an extent, yeah. But, like... You have these other rosters where they're really crunched. They don't really have – like the Clippers are another example because Plumlee's hurt. And Zubach is always kind of like banged up to an extent. And they have they have no one else on the back end of that roster that can play center for them. I think he's a very, very tradable player. Um, there's, a, there's a trade for someone on the Clippers that Will and I have discussed that I may hold off on a later date because I don't want to end the podcast. That's right. And just have this house, beautiful home, explode from how hot <laughs> this take is. I love it. So I'll pass on that. Uh, my who's down is everyone who thought that Kyle Anderson would have solved all our hey problems yo. right now. Um, he was a corner three. 0 for 6 from 3. It, near the four, I think in the fourth quarter, he actually hit one in the corner that he thought was a 3, and it ends up his foot was on the line. So he ended <laughs> 0 for 6 from 3, was the only minus in their, in their lineup in a 20-point win. Um, listen, Kyle was a great player. I was an advocate of Kyle's while he was here because he's not the most fun player to watch play, but the, the proof was in the pudding with his numbers. At the end of the day, though, you look at this Grizzlies team as currently constructed. Uh, defense is not the problem, and that's really what Kyle Anderson brought primarily. Yes, he settled things down on offense and could play make a little bit, but what we lack is shooters, and that is the last thing that Kyle Anderson is. And so there was just this 
this twinkle in my eye watching the swing swing to Kyle Anderson in the corner with no one around him, the way we play defense because we do how to play Kyle Anderson more than any other team and just to see clank after clank. Uh, and sometimes it wouldn't even clank because it wouldn't touch the rim. So everybody who just thought that that was the biggest problem that our front office had in the last three years or like the worst move, um, sorry. Like we just saw why we did what we did. Again, great player. I like Kyle a lot, but this was this was really a good picture to me. Uh, and hopefully a lot of people were watching that I've seen spout Kyle Anderson nonsense. Yeah, I mean, it's, I mean, we can get this... <laughs> later but I mean it is frustrating to me because it's like people act like we got rid of Kyle we got rid of these other players and that we didn't get other people that are not available right now on our roster and so like it is you know very much so I mean in fact you know effective field goal percentage shooting that is our issue I mean it's like that making shots is our biggest issue um, not even our you know despite all everybody I mean I'll harp on this forever because everybody thought we were going to lose all the turnover stuff and we're an elite turn. I think we're top five in the NBA in turnover percentage. So we turn people over. It's not a problem. Um, it is really about making shots. Uh, my who's down, uh, similar to my who's up is Adam silver. Uh, I, I gave <laughs> him, similar. I gave him his accolades. I gave him his accolades about the in season tourney. Uh, it's the, as more and more uh, goes on and other players are doing, you know, committing actual crimes, doing things that are getting them booed uh, in opposing stadiums and embarrassed, uh, and and Silver does nothing. The Jaw 25 game suspension, just everything about this uh, is the stupidest thing ever, even the way he handled it, which we'll get to in the news and notes, I'm sure. Uh, but I'm just, as good as he did, uh, understanding the media landscape, providing this in-season tourney, figuring out how to make football people and other casuals watch the NBA in uh, November and December. Uh, he continues that the weird double standard jaw dealt with is just continues to be weird. I wonder if anybody will ever be suspended this long ever again in the NBA. Uh, it's, it's so weird. So down on Adam Silver about that. Uh, honorable mention who's down Derek Rose five turnovers in the game against Detroit oh, he, looked he was absolutely so bad terrible yeah he was actually I wrote that down and then I just wanted to forget about it he was so bad yeah he was he tried it all he could to have us lose that game uh, all right let's get into the news and notes we do have to start with Desmond Bain 49 points at Detroit he had 40 with like two minutes left and Detroit kept making their shots because I actually wasn't watching it live I had to go back and watch it and uh, just couldn't believe like I was looking down I was like when is this what is this last few, I guess, points going to happen? And it was crazy. I mean, he was on fire like I've never seen Bain before. Tied for second all-time in points scored in a game for a Grizzlies player. Uh, John Moran, of course, with his 52 points against the Spurs last season, uh, holds that record. It's really funny, too, because Ja has like all the top five uh, scoring uh, performances. And then Bain, of course, had his... Had his name in there now. Tied for the fourth most points in a game so far this season at the, in the NBA overall. Um, guess the three teams that have the top five of the scoring against them this season. Like, what are the three teams where the opposing players have set the record thus far this season for for the top scoring? Uh, Pacers. Pacers is one. Detroit, we know, clearly. Yeah, Detroit. Pistons, Spurs. Nope. Nope. There's Ooh. one more team that's just in the in the bottom right now. Uh, I'll give it to you. Blazers? Wizards. Wizards. Oh, Wizards. Yeah, yeah. But it's just funny. No, it's it's literally good. out of the top five. Two are against Detroit, two against Indiana, one against Washington. A um, little bit of trivia. What's 
What's Love the it. most points that a player has scored against the Grizzlies this season thus far? Do you remember? Oh. Um. In one game. And this is also, by the way, the to- most total thus far in the season as well is by this player. Against us? Against us, yeah, yeah, yeah. Like it, it, when you're talking total points, this player has played us twice so far. So that's I another mean, hint. I don't know. He's a. I mean, he's probably the best at his position right now in the NBA. So it's it's not a shocking. It's Devin Booker. He scored oh, forty yeah, against yeah, right. us during that Thanksgiving yeah, yeah. week. He also scored thirty four against us in the first Suns game. So he scored seventy four points against the Grizzlies this, this season. Can you guess who has the second most points against the Grizzlies this season? Uh, what position does shooting he play? guard? Shooting Another guard. This, shooting guard. This guy's a microwave. I'll give you a hint. We a played this team three times. Already. Jordan Clarkson? Yes. Yeah, Jordan Clarkson, Clarkson. the second leading <laughs> scorer sense. against the Grizzlies with 58 points. And it's really funny if you go down the list. Jeremy Grant is third. But then you have uh, John get. Collins is the fourth highest scorer thus far this season That's against wild. the Grizzlies. And then Laurie Markkinen, Carl Towns, Malcolm Brogdon, Colin Sexton, Shaden Sharp, Derek Jones Jr., 10th most points against the Grizzlies this season. Um, but, yeah, I mean, just Bain's performance was unbelievable. I mean, we – Needed it. I mean, I couldn't believe it after the first half that we had against Detroit being down, I guess it was five or so at the half, and then coming out in the third quarter and still just not uh, looking great at first, but then Bain just, I mean, he, t- he took the team uh, from a one of the worst losses of the season to now one of the most important wins, yeah. given where the, the season is. So any additional thoughts about Bain's No, I mean, it, it almost, uh, going back or like hearing people talk about the next day and going back and looking at it, it was like I had, because of how it ended up, I'd forgotten that we were down by, I think, seven, eight points in the third quarter. Mm-hmm. And and it took that, you know, Bain just basically, I'm going to drive to the basket every single time. Uh, you know, uh, so it was a huge one of those, hey, Bain uh, is playing like the star. We hope he, we came into the season hoping he was. He continues to show us that. Um, and it makes me very excited for actually when we get healthy and everybody back what Bain's role could look like now that he's sort of, I think, gotten used to really carrying the load. So it makes me excited about the future. Ty, what else did you see from from the Detroit game or, honestly, the Timberwolves game that was notable to you from this week? Detroit, yeah, I think, I mean, it's it's hard to really talk about that game without just the the largest of caveats and the fact that it was the Pistons. I don't think I've seen a team that bad in quite some time. The effort was terrible. They have no one that can make a shot outside of Bogdanovich. I was – Cade Cunningham looks really bad. Yeah, I was shocked about that. Um, like, they just looked awful. And, like, I think it's funny that Dez, like, to your point, Kraft in the third quarter, I think we were almost down. It was, like, close to nine points. And Jenkins called a timeout, and Dez went on an 8-0 run by himself yeah. in about 90 seconds. Yeah. Because it was either like a miss and he would just literally get the ball and put his head. It was kind of like Ja-esque in the mm-hmm. fact that like I'm just going to the rim. Like I'm not passing it. I'm not running a pick and roll. I'm not doing anything. I'm just going straight to the basket. Mm-hmm. He did it I think four consecutive times to basically get us within one. They called a timeout and then he came back after that. And then that's when he just kind of started doing whatever, whatever he wanted. Um, it's encouraging to know that like as bad as we are, as injured as we are, we still have – we're not that bad, right? We're not Detroit bad. Right. We have a player on our roster that can truly, like, take over a game if it's absolutely necessary. And then to flip it on its head and to play the Wolves, 
Dez didn't have like an awful game. It just like no. nothing really made sense. It was just a weird game in general. It was just one of those games where like we were never really in the flow. We couldn't get a defensive rebound again. So when we would get a stop, it just didn't matter. Um, we didn't get an offensive rebound. So like it was a one and done possession time after time after time. I think he still hit like a few threes. No. Um, I don't think he played yeah, Jaren, poorly. Jaron and Bain were seven of ten from three. Yeah, in the T Wolves game. It just didn't matter. Yeah. Um, so yeah. I don't want to talk up too much to that one, but I think yeah, to your. But that's my biggest point is craft. What you were kind of saying at the end there is, you know, Bain has clearly had to be the number one, basically without a number two, three, four, or five. I guess right. you could chalk Jaron in there as like a ideal what fourth, fifth yeah. offensive mm-hmm. player, kind of like a, a Derek White big essentially. Um, Baines had to do literally everything. And again, back to like the center rotation, like Biz is a zero scoring threat. Tillman can't score. Roddy can hit an open shot every now and then. Um, we just have no help from him on any other position. And he's still keeping us in games and we're winning games, honestly, because of him. When he comes back and he becomes a second option, when we get completely healthy and we can run a Marcus Smart, Bain, Jaw lineup out there, where, in my mind, Smart is going to be the ultimate connector. Um, he's not really going to finish a lot of possessions. Might not even start a lot of possessions. But, like, you know, he's going to find the right guy. He's going to make the right play. If you all remember when Smart was healthy, I don't think he passed to anyone else but Bain. I think he was just True. like, please go make a basket because <laughs> I realize that you're all we have. Yeah. Um, I think he's going to continue to pop. It's also, while his efficiency has still been really high um, so far this year. Bain's been really impressive. Yeah. Um, all year, and it'll be exciting to see when he, you know, when, when we get everyone back and kind of see what he looks like after that. Yeah, to throw out the stats, and I was gonna, I was gonna save this one for a later, a later category. Um, spoiler alert on that, but, uh, but one thing that I was looking at at Bain, just looking at sort of the analytics stuff, and I, what really popped out to me, Bain is ninety nine percentile, ninety nine percentile in assist percentage. Uh, which is, which, uh, you know, basically explain what that means. Yeah. It's what percentage of his teammates made shots. Did the player assist on and, and basically he has like a 26%. So basically a little bit more than, uh, one of every four shots, everybody else on the team takes Bain is assisted on when he's on the floor and uh, that is, if we were thinking, can Bain be learn to be a playmaker at all? And the fact that he's ninety nine percent there, I think, is very exciting. Looking ahead, that he really has taken on that mantle. I mean, it also says something the fact that we haven't made a lot of shots either. You know, that's the uh, that's the negative yes. part of that. But I just thought that is really cool um, for somebody to be ninety nine percent. I mean, it jumps off. You look at all our stats; it's one of the few things uh, anybody on our team is ninety ninth percentile in. Um, is is that and so that I think that's really cool and that speaks to and I just think thinking about the fact that what happens when he leaves the floor um, you know we talked about this with our bad second quarters and so I'm excited for the thought that um, that hopefully going forward uh, in five in five games when Jaw is playing we will never have a time on the floor where either Jaw or Bain are not out there and I just think hopefully uh, I don't know. I don't know how much that can help our offense, but I don't think we're going to be 29th, 28th on offense uh, with one of those two guys on the floor all the time. So that's exciting to think about. So the rotation against Detroit uh, that we had nine man rotation, not counting garbage time, Desmond Bain, Jaron Jackson, 
Derek Rose, David Roddy, Bismack Biombo, Santi Aldama, John Conchar, Vince Williams, Jalen Noel. I really think that Jenkins has been trying trying a whole lot. This is a mix that I feel like works. Mm-hmm. But when you look at the salary cap and you add up the contracts of everyone except for Jaron, so this includes Bain. Obviously, his extension kicks in next, next season. We are playing with a $19 million roster. Our total payroll is $158 million. And when you add in Jaron, who is on one of the best contracts, I think we would say, in the NBA, it only goes up to $46.9 million. So that's, that's what we're playing with right now. That's our nine-man rotation. Uh, and it's just, it's just funny. I mean, when you look back, you, we've gotten so used to it, and it's, it's been our reality now for over 20 games. But you just really, taking a step back every episode and remembering, I mean, Ty, you and I were talking, watching the first half of the Timberwolves game, doing the hypothetical, watching the Timberwolves of, okay, if they had every player that we've had out in the equal, uh, if you go down the roster and say that they have their best player out as well as their fourth, fifth, eighth, ninth, or whatever, I mean, when you looked at the list of the Timberwolves roster, it was bare bones, and it's just unbelievable. Yeah, like Nas Reed, gone. Gobert, gone. Yeah. Mike Conley, I guess, is still in the mix, but like Ant, gone. Um, yeah. McDaniels, out. Kyle Anderson, for that matter, out. Uh, Nikhil Alexander-Walker, for that matter, out. So they're playing like Wendell Moore, who's yet to get minutes. They're playing Luke Garza as their like backup center. Yeah. Like when it when you do that with basically every roster, it's just like, what do you expect? And we may get into a little bit, little little bit of this later, but that is true. And I think it can also be true that like, I mean, we're really bad. Like we have an excuse to be bad because of basically what we just talked about. But at the same time, like we're still really bad. Yeah, yeah. Well, and they and they have players like Brown Jr. that we just. We need players like that. And I guess that's sort of what Noel, I mean, obviously we have Noel who they didn't sign, you know, they let go last year um, and we've picked him he up. He played a lot for them. Yeah. He and did. that's another thing. Like I was thinking about this. I don't think the Timberwolves have a rookie or second year player in their main 10 man rotation. Anthony Edwards is their youngest player that gets minutes for them. And I believe this is his third year. Is that correct? Yeah. So they don't have anyone young. Basically, the, that's the only third-year player. Everyone else on their roster that gets minutes is considered like somewhat of a significant veteran, right? They don't have a bunch of like second-year G or G League two ways like getting significant minutes for them or guys they had to sign off the couch. The other thing about the Wolves is I texted y'all this too. Like they they have spent so much money. And that's the thing that I think is really hard for people to really grasp because they don't view the Wolves as big spenders because they traditionally haven't been. They have, this, I think, the second highest payroll of anyone in the a- NBA second to the Warriors. So, like, you better be good, right, if you're going to have three players making close to $40 million and stuff like that. Like, this is, this is their window to me. And I thought it was interesting. Brian Windhorst kind of mentioned that on the Rosillo podcast about, like, this is what the Wolves have. Like they have this year and maybe next. And after that, they're going to have to make some, like they're going to, they're not going to be able to keep all these guys because they're going to be in second apron territory. And will, to your point about, you just listed off the salaries of our roster. If you compare them and us, I think we're like the 19th or 20th highest paid roster. Um, And that's with two max players, which is also hilarious. Yeah. Um, 
Quick just, note, Clippers are second because of the Harden trade. And so oh, the Harden trade. Timberwolves okay. went down gotcha. to third. Okay, yeah. gotcha. But basically, you know, I mean, with, with Gobert and with Conley, they've kind of recreated the Jazz teams that were so good, except they have much better players within, you know, within that sort of thing of Gobert Conley running it, Gobert protecting the rim, and then all the players in between are much better for the T-Wolves, I would say, than the Jazz. I mean, they were an amazing regular season team. Uh, but, uh, you know, but it definitely is like, you know, you got to, they're both Gobert and Conley. I mean, we'll see where they are. I mean, I think, Con, I mean, and obviously we love Conley here, but he's, I mean, he has the major Chris Paul potential of like, you just don't know when he's going to get injured, when he's going to break down. And so it'll be interesting to see, you know, how, the, if the Timberwolves can keep this up the rest of the season yeah. for me. And people forget to, I mean, Tim Connolly is the biggest winner from this season because he was the world's worst GM for that Rudy Gobert trade. And really that hasn't, we haven't seen the flip side of what that's going to cost them down right. the line. So if anything right. happens to any of their core, they don't have anything left in the cupboard to go out and make moves. They have good contracts to trade and good players to trade, but that's it. No, no future picks. Right. And that's my point with like, it, again, it's you, people consider them like a, a young team, but like, it's kind of now or never for the wolves. Like, and people, I, the other thing that really kind of frustrates me is like, everyone seems like they're all in the same bucket as far as like, regular season success and stuff like that. Like everyone, like there are no like tiered expectations for teams when people talk about teams. And I finally heard someone, I don't remember who it was the other day, but like the Oklahoma city thunder, we talk about them. Like we hope they win a, a one round series. Right. But it's kind of interesting that the people are talking about the wolves in the exact same light, but in reality, like the wolves and the thunder are on very different, like financial spectrums, very different timelines. So to me, you, you need to preface context because that matters in in a season two right like the Grizzlies is, are the perfect team to enter in context if you look at the record and you look at everything which people don't do like Bill Simmons is referenced multiple times like oh they don't have job I, I knew they weren't going to be good and be like bro take away Tatum take away Porzingis take away Derek White and that leaves you a starting two of let's just say Jalen Brown and um, Drew Holiday take away Horford take away Hauser like Take away Peyton Pritchard for that matter. Like, what do you think that team's going to look like? I don't know. I just I feel like context needs to matter in when you're discussing any team. And I know that's kind of hard to do for people when they're just bouncing off teams. But, hey, that's what we're here to do. That's right. Give you context. We give context. Um, yeah, so four games left until Ja comes back. And we'll talk about the upcoming matchups this week. But four is not, not a very big number. And I think you're seeing the energy around the team. You can You're starting to have articles in, that are released about – about Ja and the upcoming return. I think it, and that this gets me to what Adam Silver said in his press conference was, which was that he intends to have a check-in with Ja this week directly. And that Morant is to the best of his knowledge um, that Morant has done what he needs to do to return at the 25 game mark, which for a reminder, October 19th at the Pelicans on TNT is the game that he's slated to return. And then the home game, his first home game will be the 21st. We talked about a whole lot. What are y'all's thoughts on just the whole situation? You mentioned it in your who's down about Adam Silver, but anything additional uh, in regards to the context that he gave around? Yeah, the I mean, I, you know, I'm I'm not trying to. I I don't always. Again, he was my who's up and who's down, but who's down for the jaw situation? I don't love the way he talked about it. I just it's weird to me, and I guess maybe he feels dumb because jaw sort of had that extra moment. But I I don't know. I just would have liked to have seen him be more positive because. It, Everything that you see um, from from a really good Drew Hill article that came out this weekend, 
to just what you see online, what you're hearing around town. He's a jaw's been on his best behavior. He's been doing a lot of great things. The team seems excited about getting him back. He seems to have been having great practices. And so I would have liked to seen a little more positivity for Jaw doing what he did. Because honestly, I mean, as, you, as you've heard, if you've listened to the Grizz Den podcast, at least for me, I've been complaining about it because I thought it was totally overblown, uh, way too many games, and you haven't seen that from Jaw at all. He has definitely been on complete good behavior. And so I kind of hate that there seems to be this like, oh, we got to do one more thing as opposed to, you know, I think he was, tr- I think Silver just sometimes words things weirdly because I do think Silver has every intention of having Jaw come back, you know, the 19th. But but it was just it was just kind of weird. And, and you know, and, and it's weird that he talked in that way about that and yet is skirting all the, the, we- the weird – you know, goings on of the Miles Bridges and Giddies of the world and all the controversies surrounding that. So, well, and it's funny too because what I've noticed is he's able to, which rightly so, if, if Ja, let's say, if there was, which he's dealing with a civil case that's unrelated to what he's getting suspended for necessarily, but if Ja, if Ja's case that was keeping him suspended was in the criminal justice system right now being processed like that gives silver a, a total excuse to not talk about it but it's just funny like the juxtaposition between those two things because silver can talk about it because it wasn't a criminal act which yeah. you look at all the every everything else that's getting suspensions and whatever um i had this last note written down and then maybe we can move on to talk about the week upcoming unless you'll have more but uh we only have one five-man lineup thus far this season, that's played more than 100 possessions. And for reference, there are about 100 possessions in one full game. So that's not a lot. Can y'all guess who that, what that five-man lineup? Bane, Jaron, Roddy. Roddy's not in it. Bane and oh, Jaron wow. are. I don't know then. <laughs> Bane, Jaron. It's got to be Biz. Biz B- is not in it. Oh, my goodness. Aldama. Aldama's not in it. Oh, my gosh. It must be early in the season then. It was. Bane, Jaron, Smart. Smart's in it. Luke's uh, not. Luke's not. Tillman? Uh, Tillman is in it. Oh, my goodness. And one more, our favorite. Conchar? No. no. Gilliard. Zaire. Zaire. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Smart, well, we know it's negative. Smart, so. Bane, Zaire, and, and Jaron, and Tillman. And you're telling me we have a negative net rating. Can this you believe is it? shocking. And that five-man lineup is a negative 3.4. Oh, so. yeah. <laughs> I'm surprised it's not double digits. Can you believe that? Just th- there hasn't been another five-man unit that's been play- played more than 100 possessions this season. It's so just basically, crazy. our our best played unit uh, contains people who are getting DNPs. Uh, you know when they very much should be playing, probably if they were at all decent. So. Really, two, two. Yeah. DN- I mean Tillman, two. So, yeah. um, all right, let's move on to the need to know for this week. We have three games. We only had two last week, so now we got three games Monday night against the Mavericks. Now. Important development for the Mavericks. I don't know if y'all saw the video of the Kyrie Irving injury. No. It was crazy. But he's not going to be out for as long as they think. I think it was just a heel contusion or something, something, some medical term, you know. Ty, you can help us out maybe. Uh, not but then, that. <laughs> yeah, you're right. Only the Jake He's Moravia on the radio. She's on the radio. watch. you with J Law. <laughs> should have had uh, a special no, report for the J Law injury. I don't want uh, to get into that. Doubtful, doubt, by the way, for everybody waiting. <laughs> Jake LaRavia, we should have. I don't know why this wasn't our number one thing in news and notes. Jake LaRavia moved to doubtful last game. Unreal. Hustle's getting a huge. Hustle's getting a boost. Yeah, that's right. Uh, Grant Williams is day to day, and Josh Green is out for multiple weeks. So, really. I don't know if that's good or bad, honestly. I know. Yeah. He can be so bad. Well, I mean, I. loves. Honestly, I mean, that's, that's the way I feel about Kyrie. Obviously, losing Kyrie, you do lose just the potential for a guy to score 50 points and go crazy. 
Uh, but I mean, it was surprise. What you know, they didn't have him in the game one, and they absolutely killed us. They did have him in game two without Luca, and we beat them. And so you know, it's an interesting thought experiment. Unfortunately, Luca will be playing, as far as we know, uh, because you know his daughter was born at the perfect time for the Grizzlies, because that's you, why he daughter. didn't play yes. the last game. Uh, the Mavericks are third in offense and twenty third in defense. They've kind of come back down to earth after a really hot start. And so it's going to be similar to a lot of the games that we played against these teams that really can shoot us out of the gym if we're not careful. But if we play our game and uh, run the offense as we're supposed to and maybe make a few shots, they're not going to put up much resistance. And so I'm looking for uh, Jaron potentially to have a big game because they don't have much down low to speak about. I mean, they have Dwight Powell and their rookie, Derek Lively. And so not that we want to necessarily feed Jaron because that's not always the best offensive plan. But I do think that at home without one of their two all-stars, like this is a winnable game. Luka tends to kill the Grizzlies and I'm not, I'm not predicting a win. I'm saying it's winnable. Yeah, it is winnable. I mean, I, mean, I think the you know, I mean, and not to jump ahead to the other games too, but I think if last week was a, we ha- a must win and a probably no chance of winning. I feel like this is a week of all coin toss. Yep. Could win, could lose games. Right. I think. 100%. And I think and that's the, especially, you know, I, th- I think the Mavs is there for the taking for sure. I mean, and, and at some point, I mean, this, that's what's so weird. I mean, I almost had for a who's up us as a road team, you know, because we think about last year, how bad we were on the road. We're, om- we're close to 500 on the road. It's just crazy how bad we are at home. So I'm hoping that we can start shifting this back to where we're a good home team again. So. Yeah, and speaking of, the next two games after that are against the same teams. And so we're going to have an away game on Wednesday against Houston, and then they come to Memphis on Friday night, which is going to be the Dylan Brooks return. Should be fun. Yeah, It's going to be a lot of fun. The last two weeks, though, I mean, Houston right now, they're 10-9. and nine. Again, the early season overreactions always make me laugh because you're looking at they're barely 500. They're 19th in net rating the last two weeks, three and three. I think they're also close to winless on the road. Yes, they're terrible on the road. And you look at Dallas right now, who has the technically the 10th highest net rating, but in the last two weeks they've dropped to 12th and they're three and three. So yeah. One of the things listening, um, you know, one of my favorite podcasts is the, the goat pod really for Ben Golliver. And they had a really long segment on the Mavs like a week ago. And I really trust a lot of times when Ben Golliver says things, if I disagree with him, I really start to take a look, but when, but he kind of went on and on basically just like both the, just the reporting behind the scenes stuff, as well as just looking at the numbers He's very doubtful about the Mavs. Uh, you know, he just thinks they're going to come back to earth from this early start they've had uh, as other things start piling up, like injuries and things. So, you know, similarly with the Rockets. I mean, I, I will say, you know, we, until Jaw gets back, it's kind of just like survival mode. But I do think these three games, you know, as someone who really does want to make the play in, get up there, I really do think the Mavs and the Rockets are not just division opponents, but they're two teams that I think are going to be battling it out for that seven to 10 seed range. And, and so I do think that these games do have a little bit more importance in them, even as we kind of just wait for jaw that we really, I mean, we need, it would be really great to go two and one this week. It really, it really would. Yeah. It'd be huge. And you look at uh, Houston 18th on offense, fourth on defense. So these are two pretty opposite teams in the style that they play. Really the only notable injury is Amon Thompson, their rookie, um, but you look at, they actually have, speaking of health, 
their five-man unit has played the most possessions across any five-man starting unit in the NBA, and they're at a plus 11 net rating with that starting unit, and that's Fred Van Vliet, Jalen Green, Dylan Brooks, Jabari Smith, and Alperin Shingoon. So, I mean, they really do. If you can, if you can uh, somehow play even with their starting unit, they don't have much of a bench. Of course, we saw the bench just shoot the lights out. Well, really Jalen Green, but... Uh, some other guys that came off the bench in our last game against them in Houston. But I, I really do. I mean, if you can, again, make shots, like this is a team that's beatable. And so, yes, like you're saying, like three games that are winnable, but they're going to be toss-ups and you have to play well. Like you can't just lay down. It's not like Detroit. They're not going to lay down if you just go on a run. Right. That's my point on Dallas is if they hit a lot of shots, we're going to lose. If they don't hit a lot of shots, we got a good chance to win. I feel like that's just Dallas in a nutshell. Um, we are a much different, more aggressive, more confident team now than we were the first time we played Houston. And again, back to that, we figured out our wing rotation a little bit more. Like I would love to see Vince Williams just basically be like, Hey, Jalen Green, I'm going to like, I'm going to be in your shirt all game. Um, love to, I can't wait to see him guard Luca too. Cause I think that's going to happen. Um, if we hit some shots and Bane continues to go nuts, which I think he can. Yeah. I, I think. I mean, three and O's. I'm not never going to predict that ever, but I could definitely see us above 500 um, over this next week. And I believe, you know, I'm, I'm hopefully. I mean, I don't want to put a lot of stock in Derek Rose because of how bad he looked uh, against the Pistons. But uh, as far as playing against a Mavs team that does like to slow you down, I'm I'm looking forward to having Derek. You know, compared to the first game when I think he was unavailable, um, to kind of try to push the pace because that's just the big thing with the Mavs is. <laughs> To get try to get them running a little bit. I know Luke loves to slow the game down, but I think that's where it really hurts us because we're not going to beat them in a half court game. We've got to we've got to kind of get up and down and get the crowd involved and things like that. Two guys that played over twenty minutes last time we played the Rockets: Jacob Gilliard and Zaire Williams. So yeah, those two guys completely out of the rotation. Yeah, they're yeah. out of the rotation. We've completely revamped yeah. it. Vince only played four minutes in garbage time. Um, so yeah, yeah. The last time we played the Mavs is when Noel had nineteen. Um, hit a really good night just getting to the mid-range because, again, perimeter defense for the Mavs is tough. Honestly, interior defense, honestly, defense, it's kind of hard for them. Um, could be a perk with having Luca back is they're probably going to try to hide him on someone. Um, if we can kind of create switches, run some screens, have his man, if it's Vince, like love to see Vince crash the offensive glass like his life depends on it. Just try to get extra possessions any way you can. I'm very excited for uh, – question on our next podcast that I'm going to bring up about Dylan Brooks return. It's going to be really fun. Mm. So tune in to the next episode, but we got to end at this episode. Like we do every other episode, we're crowning an MVP of the week. Ty, you're the guest. We'll let you go first. I mean, I'm going with Bain. I know we've harped on him. We've talked about him a ton. Again, when you score 49, you deserve the MVP of honestly, just the season so far. So I'm not going to, I'm not going to overthink it. Bain for me as well. Bain. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's pretty obvious. I mean, Jaron, I think Jaron had two good games. I mean, that was, you know, I, I think Pistons were our two stars played like it. We beat we beat a bad team. The T-Wolves were like, they're a good team too. We need more people. You know, we, we just need, need more good quality NBA rotation players that are just out right now against, for, to beat a team like the T-Wolves. Guys, just whenever I sit and think about dogs working to come back, it makes me locked. It's just that I know they're going so hard. To be out there is the whole thing. We want nothing more than the game. Trip J, what a bar. Maybe an MVP for that tweet. Oh, man, that got me so jacked. Uh, guys, next time you listen to a weekend update, it will be John Morant week. 
and I just can't wait. It's, it has been a long road to get here. Oh, I mean, yeah. Can I, can I preview that? Uh, Not yet, Craft. Settle down. No, I have. <laughs> there'll be. There'll be. There'll be a special story come next weekend. Oh. In preparation. Oh, no. Two teasers. All right. Listen to the pod later this week. Our quarterly, quarterly report. report with you the respond full crew. to one of your daily DMs you send him? Jaw, that is? Yeah. No. I'll just <laughs> I, 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 I just Amazing. know that. Know that. There'll be a, a, a special Grismas story coming for the next week then. Absolutely. So, so. All right. Tune in later this week and then next Sunday as well. So uh, with that, thank you, Ty, for hey. joining us. I hope it's not Absolutely. the last time That's right. yeah, the yeah. season. Go buy a sweatshirt, everybody. Yeah, Grismas swag. Go to grizden.com. Grab yourself a uh, a gift before it's too late. And Kraft, thanks for thanks for hanging out. Uh, I'm Will. We will talk to you next weekend. <laughs>